0: Cover story.
1: Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your
0: public. Craft your image, promote your products, create expert
1: status, become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101, crisis management, media blitzing, it's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you.
0: Welcome to Cover Story. I'm your host, Jian Wei, PR Web Product Manager here at Vocus. And today I'm joined by Milena Williams. How are you doing today, Milena?
2: Excellent. Thanks for having me.
0: And how was your New Year's?
2: It was nice, relaxing, surprisingly quiet.
0: Did you go anywhere or did you just stick around in Chicago? I
2: sat in my living room in Chicago with my children on my lap. That was pretty much it.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. I did the same thing. I'm down here in uh, in D.C. and I just kind of stuck around, took a few days off and uh, just relaxed, and I've always found that taking a couple days off um, and not thinking about anything work related can be uh, can be a pretty good uh, can be a pretty good driver of some thought once I come back to the office. I don't I don't I don't n- never realize how worn out I get until I actually take a vacation.
2: It's true, and isn't it surprising how excited you are to be back to work? I was so happy when Monday came. I was like, woo!
0: We're yeah, I know. This is the, you're right. This is the first Monday I, in in recent memory when I was actually driving into work, thinking about all the things that I wanted to get done today, <laughs> as opposed to grumbling under my under my breath at the traffic. Um, so, Milena is a managing partner at PWR New Media. Uh, they are experts in interactive digital communications. Milena has worked in the digital communications field focused primarily on the exec- execution of digital press releases for five years, and she works with a broad range of clients, associations to CPG firms, um, and some of the largest uh, and most innovative pu- innovative public relations firms in the country. Um, so, Milena, tell us a little bit about what makes PWR New Media special.
2: <laughs> well, first I would say... Just as as a introduction to our service, we are extremely customer service oriented I think if you asked our clients that would I, I, you would have to ask the clients, my guess is that would be the first thing they 'd say is that you know we are very good to work with and we 're a service based company we 're a fairly small company we work with a lot of big accounts, but the important thing to us is we really really care about every single project and while a lot of people are doing things like emailing press releases that 's not you know, an innovative idea in and of itself. What we bring to the table that I think is a little bit unique is a very strong expertise in the medium. So making sure we are whitelisted correctly, making sure we are getting to the inbox, we know how to design an email so that... You know, ideally what you want is when the journalist gets an email and he's looking through his preview pane and all the images are blocked, you want to make sure they can still see all the good content in there. So our expertise is really in designing and developing emails that get through, that work well, that are very, very media-rich, adding social media components when appropriate and things like that. So that they're very robust, but also... You know, a small file in the inbox so that they get through. It's it's kind of combining those two things and highly branded. We want them to look good, but not be you know like ads.
0: So you primarily use, I mean, the, the what you are communicating is is um, uh, press release content, and your target is journalists, but your medium is primarily email. Correct. And why is that? Why why the focus on email?
2: I think that it's where all of us organize our lives. I mean, the reality is there's lots of um, ways that you can send a press release, right? You can send it via, you know, some people are still using fax. Probably not a great idea. People are doing, you know, snail mail. People are using social media. There's a lot of ways to do it. But the reality is most working people organize their lives From their inbox, that's where you archive things you want to go back to later, and that's where journalists want to get their press releases. We actually at PWR, and even prior to to um, being starting up PWR a few years ago, uh, we I was with a different company. So for years, I've been involved in these ongoing survey of journalists, and what we learn is that you know eighty five percent of journalists say email is their preferred method of receiving press releases. Now that's not unique to our surveys; you find that across the board, and and it's not particularly surprising but when you ask why i think that is i think it has to do with it's easiest they can click a link and get to the person they want to talk to it's very very small if it's done well so it doesn't clog up their space you can put all of the content a journalist wants i mean look at how many journalists you know are struggling right now how newsrooms have shrunk they have less time and Uh, As they have less time to do their work, they have more work because now they also have to contribute to their, you know, organization's blog and so forth. So the idea of these is give them everything they need to build a story. And we kind of find two different types of things happening. One is journalists who will literally cut and paste the whole thing. They want to grab an image, you know, literally take the press release and drop it and go. It's very, very quick for them. The other on the other extreme you have people who just want all of the tools so that they can build what they need. Give me a statement of quotes, give me, you know, video, audio, you know, all the different things that they might want. They want it not just one image, they want twenty five to choose from, so that they can mm-hmm. really craft their own angle with the
0: story. So mm-hmm. they're
2: designed to serve either of those needs.
0: Now how do you get by all the barriers? I mean, You know, email comes with so many complications that are technical in nature, unlike, you know, web browsers. Uh, There's so many different types of email clients. There are so many different um, restrictions and filters placed on email. Can you talk to me about some of the challenges you guys face and how you get around it when it comes to to using email? Because it sounds like you're delivering more than just text.
2: That's correct. They're HTML emails, first of all. Um, okay. That's what we design and deliver. But it is an ongoing challenge. Not only is it challenging, but it's continually changing. And that's why, as I say, I think people with email expertise um, mm-hmm. add a lot when you're trying to do this kind of a, a press release because we are staying on top of those changes. So just to give you an example, Outlook 07, out you know, recent, you know, know, a few years ago, but it's only now that there's a huge migration to it. Well, something that emailers call wallpaper that sits in the background, Outlook 07 won't render it. So anybody without Outlook 07 won't see that. Well, that might be something that most people don't bother to know about or care about, but we do. So while a few years ago we had a bunch of clients who used wallpaper, as soon as that came out we knew to say, okay, we have to stop using wallpaper. Maybe it only affects, you know, 3% of recipients now, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be greater and greater migration. So part of our job is to really understand how ISPs make decisions about, you know, who gets blacklisted and so forth and who has a good online reputation. Some of it is really what it it focuses more on with clients, the back and forth we have with clients, tend to be design considerations. Because you find clients are very, very creative, and they want to do things like have a dancing snowman and, you know, the rainbows that move across the screen and so forth. and These are really creative, clever ideas. And if you're building a website, they can be executed. They can look, look and work very well. But if you're sending it through email, it cannot. So our understanding is, you know, what the the text-to-image ratio should be and how many capitalized letters there can be in a text before it's going to trigger spam filters. So it, it can be pretty pedantic and detailed, but um, those would be a few of the, the sort of easy-to-understand concerns we look at.
0: But, but in general, it's sort of this dynamic landscape, and so part of what you guys do is really just stay on top of what's going on from a technological perspective, what the ISPs are doing, and so you're constantly shifting your best practices according, according to what you're seeing out there.
2: Right, exactly, and one way we do that is by ongoing testing. We test everything we send before it goes out pretty substantially. We look at how it renders across different systems, um, you know whether it's you know how it 's working and so forth, so you know whether you need to turn your video into flash for what you 're trying to do or whether it 's better in a you know windows media player, so some of it's project specific, but we mm-hmm. test it to see okay, how is this going to going to render and work for most people. Now, the thing about email is you can't, there's no way for anyone to know how it's going to render for every single person. So, you're, you know, we're testing for the most common system configurations.
0: So testing is an important component uh, just to make sure that you guys stay on top of all the standards when it comes to email delivery. But I know you guys also do uh, research into the consumption trends with uh, the people, the audience that you're sending it to, the journalists. Right. Um, And you guys had a uh, a survey come out, winter 2008, uh, where you went out and you uh, surveyed 213 journalists and you asked them how they want uh, the news release delivered and what were some of the things that you learned from that survey?
2: Well, first, let me just say in passing, we are doing that again right now.
0: Um, we are in the process
2: okay. of serving for the – We do it every winter, and we send it out in our uh, February newsletters, which is something people can sign up for on our our um, news our website if anybody is interested. But um, you know, the one thing I already mentioned is that first of all, journalists want to receive press releases via email. That is how they want them. You know, they're mm-hmm. not going to open up fax machines. And just sort of as a background, five or six years ago, the first time I was involved in something like this, we, you know, felt like we didn't want to take up a lot of journalist time, and there was a big question as to whether or not we should, you know, have any open-ended questions. Well, we should not have been surprised that, in fact, if you ask journalists open-ended questions, they will give you a lot of information. So having been involved in this for a lot of years, there are some consistencies. They don't want attachments. They don't want big files. They do want email the things they care about the very most are surprisingly. This part actually surprised me when I first learned it. They literally want to be able. They want files they can cut and copy and paste from. In other words, not say all PDFs. Um, HTML is easy to to copy and paste. They really want images they care a lot about and all the background information. Um, you know, audio. Um, you know, like backgrounders, bios, fact sheets, mm-hmm. recipes, things like that. Uh, And they care less about things like audio and video, but Hmm. even though that still doesn't rank so high in terms of things they really, really care about, it has grown every year. And I think that the reason for that is because now they need more web content. So we are moving to when we push out things like video or slideshows, things like that, to make sure there's always an embed code so that if they want to put your video on their website or their blog, they can very easily grab it. Drop it in there so it looks good. So we are sort of beginning to add more um, things that are designed to be uh, kind of freb- friendly web content.
0: Well, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk more about uh, the web friendly content that you guys are starting to add and some of the ramifications of um, that content integration.
1: Stick around. Cover Story. We will be back after this short break. Max, with our lean and mean team, how can we manage our publishing needs and still have time to save the planet? No worries, 99. DMX is the premier ad exchange network. They publish ads that circle the globe every day. It's a mission possible. But you know our inventory needs maximum exposure. Would you believe DMX had 10 billion impressions just last month? Their real-time auction-based service gets us the top dollar for our ad space, while their superior service saves us the time we need to save the world. Oh, Sorry about that, Chief. But we need creative control, and our own third-party networks, and who will help manage our relationships. CMX has MediaGuard. We can select our own advertising banning profile, so direct media exchange networks know which ad types we don't like. And we look great. And did I mention DMX is free? Looks like working undercover is a thing of the past. Get smart. Get DMX. Making every impression count. Bruce Clay, hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart. He's been out there with the code of ethics. been a search engine expert in the field
0: for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce
1: Clay Incorporated. Work on a performance-only basis, so you only pay for results. Dopnichnetworks.com has the answers that you've been seeking for making your business a success on a performance-only basis. And that's a good thing, because my butt's falling asleep. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercial's off. Now back to Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Only on Webmaster FM. Here's your host. So we are back.
0: My name is Jianwei. I'm your host uh, for Cover Story. And we're joined by Milena Williams, managing partner at PWR New Media. Before we broke for commercial, uh, we were talking about some of the learnings from the PWR survey uh, that came out last winter um, that they're going to be doing again this winter, and we were talking about web-friendly content such as video and the importance of using an embed code in that video to make it uh, more easily shareable. So um, do you guys, Milena, do you guys also start, have you guys started to focus on not only targeting journalists but also targeting bloggers?
2: Yes, but of course that is a much more complicated um, situation. And, you know, first of all, you need to, I think that, the blogger outreach needs to come from the PR firms, right? We are not a PR firm. Many of our clients are. So we are, but we do ask when people give us blog lists, we want to ensure that they have permission from all these bloggers. Um, part of what our responsibility is to make sure our emails get through well is to make sure our online reputation is, you know, sparkling clean. If we start emailing people that don't want to receive them, that, you know, can hurt our IP reputation. Mm-hmm. So one thing with bloggers, you just want to make sure you have permission. Now, we are working with some clients to reach out to bloggers and help them get that permission. And we've seen some of those projects we've worked on be incredibly successful and others less so. Um, but it, it is a different consideration. And we've done a few interviews with journalists and bloggers and things recently, um, just sort of for our own blog and things like that, and one of the distinctions we've heard back from them is that, of course, journalists are used to getting press releases. They've been in the media a long time. Sure. They want to receive them. You know, they would much rather just click delete than not know what's going on. Bloggers sure. are coming from, you know, often completely different backgrounds. They're not used to being inundated, and they don't want to be inundated. So while you should always be sure you're targeting well, right, you don't want to send, you know, a Press release about makeup to a journalist who covers race cars. Um, it's even more essential to make sure the bloggers you're sending to specifically, you know, have given you permission to send them them releases. And when we do that, we find that they work really, really well. We find also back to the original topic that bloggers particularly appreciate um, sort of creative uh, content they can pop and <clears throat> drop on their blog. And I. Kind of two other things I will say we find. Um, a, bloggers, unlike journalists, need to create tons and tons of content, and they need to create it sometimes in seconds. So timing is even more important for bloggers. Also, just the quantity of content they need to create. Thus, you know, any kind of digital files, whether it's, say, you know, a SlideShare deck or Flickr or photo bucket, or we've done a few things lately with something called Sprout, Maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with it. Um, but it's like a little mini website almost that you can just embed um, that can oh. promote a few details about your product.
0: And so we've been you can find thing. out about that at, I guess, Sprout, s p r o u t dot com.
2: Yes. What is their email okay. address? Um, I, I think that's it. I'm sure if you Google it, you okay. can find it. We have an example sure. of it on our blog, which is um, Release It. Okay. Uh, but I, I think it's called SproutBuilder, actually,
0: dot sprout .com. Sprout Builder. Okay. Well, I guess you yeah, you can just probably google it and figure it out. Right. Right. Um, so what you're saying is that bloggers they do need content. I mean, they have requirements just like journalists do. They actually in some ways have more requirements because of the, the sheer volume of content that, that that they're producing. Um and so they actually, you know, could use news releases um and they probably wouldn't mind receiving that via email, but you can't just go out and you know, start bombarding them with emails.
2: Right. Exactly.
0: So getting back to the issue of, of journalists now. Um, and we, we talked a little bit about targeting earlier. What happens when you have a PR firm that comes to you um, and they, they want to receive the broadest reach possible for, for their PR campaign, and they have just this, this huge list that they've built, you know, with
2: mm-hmm.
0: 10,000 10, names on right? it? They're like, okay, look, right. we want to we reach all these journalists. And you start going into that list and you just start seeing all these extraneous names popping up in that list. And I mean, how, do you, how do you approach that situation?
2: Well, we do not get into the strategies of the PR firms we work with, for one thing. Okay. Um, you know, we, okay. we're somewhat sensitive to that. They have their strategies. But we do absolutely, and this, I'm glad you asked this question, it's something I sort of struggle with in my own head. Because, like, you know, most people we will say, no, you need to target you know, your your list should not be ten thousand. That's ridiculous. There's definitely not 10,000. You know, I don't think we've ever sent a news release that there's probably ten thousand journalists interested in. So we do say, hey, you know, we advise targeting. And from our perspective, we are also look, what we're looking for the list for is anything that we think will be a problem for us reputationally, right? And mm-hmm. that's when we'll get back in touch with clients and say, you know, is is this list really clean? Um, because we don't want to get ourselves in trouble. Uh, But ironically, and here's the weird part about it, the metrics we can track from an HTML email, which is to say who opens it, the percentage of people to open it, who it gets to, what they open. You know, we can see a lot of that from the back-end analytics. All those metrics are higher on large distributions than small targeted distributions, which is exactly the opposite of what you would expect and, you know, what you would think you would see, and it kind of defies logic to me. And it is maybe one thing we don't go out and tell people use large lists. In fact, we do the exact opposite. We are always advising tight lists. But, you know, then there's this other thing that you can actually see on the metrics that large lists really deliver well. So it's it's just sort of a, a strange catch-22.
0: Right. So that's what probably one of the underlying issues is, is that at the end of the day, you know, if you want just pure results, there's a correlation between the size of the list and the, the volume of, of results that you're getting.
2: Right, right. And then also, results. let me just clarify: when I say mm-hmm. metrics, we're talking about email metrics. That does not necessarily translate to pickup. You would expect that, you know, when you have somebody who opened your press release 13 times, well, they're obviously somewhat interested. They're not doing it for nothing. But um, sure. you know, we don't. We're not a clipping service, and so we don't track pickup. So we're really just talking about basically, you know, traditional email metrics, which are. And it's another topic entirely, highly flawed, but, you know, better than nothing.
0: Well, we're going to take another quick commercial break. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your tips. Um, I recently read a blog post from you, um, Efficient and Effective News Releases for Today's Economy, Five Tips, Three Audiences. And I want to talk a little bit about that framework when we return.
1: Stick around. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with Referback.com. They've shown me how to. Referback.com Show me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. Referback gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit referback.com. Localpages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours. Article distribution at its easiest. One form, one click, thousands of results. Get your free account today at articlesender.com. That's article sende rcom Find the Webmaster Radio.fm Web 2.0 watering hole and have a drink
0: on us webmasterradio.fm is now on facebook myspace and twitter find us now on the webmasterradio.fm homepage.
1: homepage. commercials off now back to cover story we're reserving a headline for you only on webmasterradio.fm here's your host Welcome back to Cover Story.
0: I'm your host, Jianwei, and I'm joined by Milena Williams, Managing Partner at PWR New Media. Uh, before we broke, uh, I mentioned we were going to come back and talk about efficient and effective news releases for today's economy. Um, five tips, three audiences. Now, I really like this piece because it gets to um, a lot of what we talk about here at Vocus uh, PR Web um, in sort of understanding that there's different audiences that you can reach nowadays, and there's different approaches that you have to take with your press releases. So, can you tell us a little bit about this framework that you've established here in this article?
2: Right. What we're talking about here is the fact that there really are three different groups of people now people are trying to reach. There's the traditional media, right? That's what press releases have traditionally been trying to do. And that's what we've basically talked about thus far, for the most part, getting to journalists. There's what we, in our little you know, schema here, have called new media, primarily by that we mean bloggers. This is a different group, and they have different considerations. There's obviously a lot of overlap, a lot of journalist blog and so forth. But they, you, know, you can see it as two different groups. But thirdly, and I think this is one of the most interesting things, is that now your press releases are, in fact, getting viewed directly by consumers who are mm-hmm. using search engines, looking at websites, and you know, reading blogs that pick them up and post them. So, in our, you know, the idea here is that you want to send out press releases that reach the traditional media, new media, as bloggers, um, and reach consumers.
0: And, are you trying to reach doing... all three with the same piece of content, or do you segment the content?
2: Well, either or,
0: both. Okay. Um, okay. You
2: can reach all three with the same content. An example would be, say, something like um, recipes or pairing. We've seen a lot of really successful releases recently that will tell you which, you know, wine or beer to eat, eat, you know, with which food item. Well, if that press release includes, you know, tips from a famous cook and it includes a, you know, you can click and get different recipes and you can click and get tips on, you know, which which cheap wines are really, really good with this recipe, well, that is useful for a journalist. It is, if it's presented well, well-organized, looks good, branded correctly, something consumers will use. And if the, it is optimized, you know, search engine optimized, if you have, say, social media bookmarks so people can share it, then it can, you know, move beyond just bloggers and journalists, and it can be viewed and found attractive and appealing and loaded with, you know, pertinent information for even consumers.
0: So would you, would you suggest using different channels for these different audiences, or do you think you can also use the same channels to reach these three different audiences?
2: Both. I think both of those are, okay. are, are good ways to forge ahead. I don't really think there's one or the other. What I do think is that if you're really trying to search engine optimize um, your release, then you need you know, some way to get it on the web and make sure it's getting picked up and so forth. So you know, that may be a, have a slightly different consideration. Mm -hmm. But overall, it is something we either, depending on the project, depending on, you know, who's going to be interested in it and so forth, have have approached it both ways.
0: Now, um, you have a a number of tips here on this this sheet, Um, and one of them is share it. Uh, and where you talk about social media components and you say that they can be added to your release to improve its online presence and make it more viral. I'm just wondering, what have your experiences been as far as getting uh, the releases into some of these social media spaces? Um, What's worked for you? What hasn't?
2: Well, what we've seen work is some clients, they have a really robust Twitter identity or, a you know, Facebook with many, many fans. Well, if they already have that established, it's going to work, right? If, if you're, you know, client A and you're a lipstick company and everybody loves you and, you know, everybody follows you on Twitter, then once you post your press release, you know, you grab the URL and you put it on Twitter, lots of people are going to look at it and it's going to move. <clears throat> if the clients don't already have something like that, then, you know, it's a little bit slower to to move through the channels.
0: Right, so there's some element of kind of putting the carriage before the horse here. It's, they really need to kind of build up that following and, and become right. engaged before they can expect to see the kind of results that they, that they want from engaging right. in these social media spaces. Right,
2: right. And, and again, uh-huh. this is back to a pedantic email thing also. As an sure. FYI, you cannot just simply drop those things like the share links onto emails without some clever behind-the-scenes trick. Ours look like it is there, but it's actually we've got some clever way because it will trigger you know, firewalls and things like that. So just as an FYI, got to think okay. about how you handle that from a technical perspective.
0: Well, we're coming to the, to the end of the show, but b- before we close, I did want to get your general thoughts on 2009 as far as um, distribution of press releases through email. What are the big things, what are the big ticket items you guys are looking at in the new year?
2: Um, I think web content, uh, more creative ways to, to incorporate web content into press releases, blog components in press releases, so that the release is actually more interactive. Um, I think that you know at the moment, transparency, authenticity, interactivity; these are all really important things in the coming year. So designing press releases so that it has those components, um, and you know, as always, it's important to just give your audience, whether it's journalists, bloggers, consumers, all of the above, information that is relevant to them, that's you know, useful to them, preferably that you know, looks good and works well and so forth. So that's kind of what we're looking ahead to is, is more ways to incorporate work with social media. I mean, these are some of the questions we will be asking journalists in our upcoming survey, how they're <clears> using <throat> social media, you know, what kind of web content is useful for them and so forth.
0: And so if people want to gain access to this upcoming survey, uh, the results that are coming from this upcoming survey, um, as well as all the best practices that you guys are publishing, they can just visit your website at pwrnewmedia.com. Is that the best That's way that, to keep up? That's correct. Oh. Yeah.
2: And if they sign up to get our newsletter, we'll send it out in our newsletter um, the first week of February is when we'll push those results out. So, and great. there's information on our blog as well, which can be accessed through the website
0: great. And I have a feeling you guys probably follow all the best practices for email in uh, the newsletter you send out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. It's not bad.
0: (laughs) We've been talking with Milena Williams, the managing partner at PWR New Media. Um, And Milena, thank you for joining us today on Cover Story.